sports fans, do not miss my new politics and culture podcast called Can You Hear Me Shaking My Head? Coming up this week, I have a culinary designer coming on the show to discuss exactly what a culinary designer is. You're not going to want to miss it, especially because we somehow tie it into being a basketball coach. Also, if you like this podcast, I encourage you to go to iTunes and write a review and give us a rating. It will really help. Thanks. Have the Knicks turned a corner? Why have the Celtics faltered recently? Is Brett Brown on the hot seat? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. As always, I'm joined tonight by Dave Dufour at Dave Dufour NBA. And it's actually been a little while. I feel like we haven't done one in a week or two. Yeah, it has been about two weeks. And this is attempt number three. I know. For, for you folks scoring at home. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we, had to, we had to bail on the, uh, on the live show. But that's okay um, because we, we got a lot to talk about. And, um, yeah, I missed you, buddy. I know. I miss you, too. Well, you, you're busy with your running your team, which sounds like you're, uh, it's, it's uh, rewarding, right? Well, it's up and down. You know, it's coaching, right? Like, it the the ups wouldn't be so good if you didn't have all the downs, and some of the downs are terrible. But it's okay. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? You committed to doing this, and you're helping some kids get better, and that's uh that's the reward. That's right. So. Yeah, and we had a really really fun practice today um, for our last practice of the year, and I mean it was just we had a we had a real real good time. I feel like everybody was. Like, Laughing the entire time. Close it out with a little knockout. Nice. That the boys and the girls, or just the, which which team? Uh, boys and the girls. I, I we practiced at the same time in the same gym. We got an hour and a half to knock out both teams. Oh wow. Okay. I don't think I pictured yeah, it, that. Oh, it's an uphill battle. <laughs> okay. Well, listen. Yeah. We uh we had an interesting game tonight. We had Nick Celtics, which was uh you know in the back in the day when I was your age, Dave. Uh, that was a rivalry, and um, now we're getting a little bit of a rivalry again, maybe. Yeah, you know, man, the Knicks are fun, um, if nothing else. You know, they're not quite a good team yet. They might be about average, but they are fun nonetheless. And it's almost a shame that they aren't going to lose enough games to get a really high draft pick this year because they're, they're kind of like one piece away as far as the future. I love Frank Nilakina. Porzingis is really coming around as the main guy. And Hornacek is doing a good job of coaching this team. I mean, he's got his role players really playing their role well, really featuring Porzingis, mixing up his lineups enough that nobody is exhausted, which is uh, just a huge benefit for these guys. Um, even I mean, Doug McDermott's been good. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., before he got hurt, was playing really well. That That's kind of the big the big thing, uh, the cloud looming over this team right now is that, you know, Tim Hardaway has been out and then Porzingis has been out. And so um, I, I think that we actually could be seeing them. They would look better if maybe those guys were able to play together a little bit more. But uh, here we are and the Knicks are fun. It's yeah, 2017. They, they are fun. They're playing with like more of a joy. That's what's, you know, that's what's the difference, I think, now. And you can't overlook what changed between, say, 
last year and this year that would remo- that would you know uh, encourage such said joy uh, on the floor, right? <laughs> um, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> did they did they sell the team or something? Uh, no, no. Dolan is still the owner. He's still there, but they did happen to make a trade, <laughs> right? And they brought in a couple players uh, that have you know that play hard. But I think what we're trying to say is is that you know perhaps the absence of Mello. You know, by the way, you know, what was Mello holding Porzingis back? The dude scores 30 a game. Like, whenever he gets a chance, if he gets minutes, he's scoring 30. Um, could he have done that last year? I, I don't know. But certainly uh, he would have been – he would have progressed sooner. Um, and, you know, now that he's gone – and by the way, it doesn't have to be a, a real um, uh, crap on Mello uh, day, but it could very well be that um, – the distraction of him being there it wasn't like maybe necessarily the way he acted, but just sort of the mellow experience kind of cast a pall on th- on things. Uh, I mean, it's possible, and and it's certainly you know um, it's tough for a guy like Hornacek. Maybe is it Hornacek or Hornacek? Hornacek. I go back and forth. Yeah, unless it's you're Hornacek. a hockey guy. Okay, I go back and forth. Yeah. Um, so a guy like Hornacek maybe had a time relating with Mello and getting through to Mello. Um, I'm not going to call because, you know, I just don't know if that's true. Uh, I wasn't in the locker room, but it certainly appears like this team is playing with a little bit more joy, like, like you pointed out. And, uh, the ball is definitely ping ponging around a little bit more. And that is always a good sign. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, what you mentioned with Nilakina, who I also like, I swear, whenever I turn the game on, no matter what or who or when, he hits a three. And it's funny because he's not really taking that many threes, but it's just weird karma or something that happens when I, whenever I swear I turn it on. Boom, we did it again tonight where he just nails a three and it looks like, you know, it looks so smooth like that. You know, he's, he, he takes, looks like he takes five a game. He only takes two and he's only shooting 32%. But, uh, Every game I've seen, he seems to get a little bit better, um, and that's encouraging. He even, like, on the dribble, sort of drove and got closer to the basket tonight more often than normally where I had seen him just sort of pull it back out and not even look to get to drive. So there's, like, progress happening. It's exciting. Yeah, he definitely – he looks like a guy who's played against pros before. How funny is that? You know, um, coming from a pro league in Europe, the guy mm-hmm. has a little bit of poise – um, he doesn't, he doesn't get sped up quite as much as, as some of the other rookies in the league, um, which is helping to make up a little bit for, you know, some of his rawness as far as his skill goes. Uh, the mental part of the game doesn't seem like it's taking as long to develop because he's, you know, he's played against pros. This is not anything new to him. He played against high level talent, much higher level, much more high level talent than all these guys that were one and done because the NCAA is really not that good. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised that, that we're seeing this. Uh, I mean, given his background, it's not shocking. Let's put it that way. Right, and, they, and they're putting together a nice team, and a lot of the roots of this team are with, with Phil Jackson's fingerprints on him. Uh, the only guy that I really like that I don't understand why he isn't getting more run is, is Hernan Gomez. He's just sort of, I don't know what happened because he was primed to, to get good playing time this year, and uh, he's just not getting out there. But it doesn't really seem to matter because they're winning, and I, I suspect they're going to end up winning. You know, they're, they're at 533 right now, 16 and 14. Uh, they'll probably win that percentage of games for the whole season, right? They'll win 44 games and squeak into the playoffs. 
Yeah. Uh, it seems like Hernan Gomez is just kind of feeling the squeeze. Uh, Kyle Quinn's playing well. Obviously, you got Porzingis, and uh, and then Cantor is so good offensively. I think it's just hard to take him, you know, to keep him off the court. Um, so yeah, Hernan Gomez is kind of the one missing out on the minutes. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think these guys have a good shot at making the playoffs. Which, if if you're in the Knicks organization, you kind of got to look at as a successful season. I think it'd be it'd be huge for a young team. It sucks not to get the next piece, but. Um, you know, maybe they can get a big piece this summer if they make the right moves. Sure. And, you know, I want to shout out to Ennis Kander because he pulled the chair and Al Horford and blocked him uh, on a nice you know, post up that Al Horford figured, oh, I'm just going to get down there and score on him. And uh, that was some nice defense. And then he had another one on an out-of-bounds play right after that where he showed on the cutter and it got back to his man. And I was like, oh, okay, there, there's, there's recognition there of what he's supposed to do, and it's being, he's being effective on that, on that end. So I might feel bad because I put him on the thumbnail of my worst NBA defensive duos uh, video I would drop today. And I, it was a surprise, so I just put him on there because he's a reputation of being a bad defender. But uh, definitely deserves some props. Yeah, so I haven't watched that video yet. Can I take a guess, or would it ruin it for the listeners? Ah, at this point, it's been out for 12 hours. You can take a guess of who the, the worst NBA defensive duo is. I'm going to say it's Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. Now, here's the thing. It, it, I'm not shocked that you got it, because before I told anybody who it was, as I was in the middle of editing it on Twitter, like I got dozens of responses and they all said that them and I was I couldn't believe it, even though like when I'm looking at who the worst defender is and I kind of called them out on the video like Carl Anthony Towns could very well be the worst defender in the league. And it's, it's kind of like really frustrating. And I almost felt bad saying it that way because it's really, you know, it's, it's not nice. But you get really frustrated watching more and more footage after you get to like 50, 60 clips. You're like, what is going on here? Yeah, he's really bad, man. And, you know, like some of it is a little bit of stat chasing or big play chasing and uh, it gets him out of position. But then there's other times where you just see him and he looks lost in his coverage, um, loses his man even. And I'm not saying like after an action, I'm just saying have, you know, transition <laughs> and they start their half court offense and he doesn't have a, a, a man. And um, it's stuff like that that I look at and because people ask me all the time, you know, do I think that it's something that he'll grow out of or whatever? I don't know. I mean, the guy's 22 years old. He's been yeah. playing defense, at least, I guess, theoretically, since he was like, you know, seven or eight. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, is, I don't think it's that hard to figure it out. Wiggins, his stuff on the ball, he's actually decent. It's everything away from the ball. He falls asleep. His, you know, his help is late, things like that. Um, but... Yeah, the Carl Anthony Towns stuff, and it's just crazy because he's such a freak athlete, got good feet on offense, and just on the defensive end looks like a, a whole nother player. Um, friend of the show, James Hollis, is taking to call him uh, Cantor Anthony Towns. Yikes. Well, you know, here, here's the thing I noticed yeah. about Cat, which is his, he's got no lower body strength. So anybody who's relatively strong at that center position can pin him down under the basket almost, and he's completely uh, powerless to stop them. And that's a big thing, but his, and it's, so, and it's his footwork as well is really bad, and his angles, everything about defense is sort of a struggle for him spatially. And uh, that's the interesting thing is it, can you improve that? Now, he certainly can improve his strength and his base strength, 
uh, and that would I think that would go a long way. And then if you kind of clean up some of the footwork stuff he's doing, then then maybe. But it also seems clear, and I show a, a, a string of clips where we see the Carl Anthony Towns Andrew Wiggins pick and roll defensive duo. And it looks like teams have now identified that this is what we want to do. Whoever uh, Wiggins is guarding, we're going to ball screen with Carl Anthony Towns' man. And it's giving them fantastic shots over and over again. So I don't know what Thibodeau is going to do because, you know, they're winning. And, you know, those two guys are instrumental to that. But uh, it's certainly not the kind of basketball you're used to seeing from a Thibodeau team on defense. And it certainly removes them from any kind of deep playoff run potential. Yeah, and, and then I, I've got some issues, and I don't know if you got a chance to, to check out my podcast from last week with, uh, with Mo Dakil. Uh, we actually talked about the fact that it's, it's possible that Tom, Tom Thibodeau needs to update his offense for the modern NBA, or his defense for the modern NBA. Um, the, the overloading the strong side and pre-rotating, it just – it just doesn't do it anymore. When you're when you're playing against teams that have four and sometimes five shooters on the court, you just can't afford you just can't afford to play that way. However, the the, the notion of ice defense at the very least, it was supposed to be a thing where you can guard a pick and roll with only two players, and you don't have to rot- get out, rotate out to cover that with a third player, and that helps you all the way around. Uh, and I pointed out time and again where uh, Wiggins is really struggling with keeping his man out of the middle. Uh, he can't seem to figure out how to get in the right position that will keep him in the middle and then also not give this man a straight line drive to the basket where he's too out of the position to to you know keep him in front a little bit. So, um, you know, and it's weird because in Chicago he had no problem putting that in early and quickly and they were picking it up. And even a guy like Taj Gibson who really uh, absorbed it great in Chicago, uh, he's looking bad uh, in a lot of these possessions as well. And Gorgie Jang is not looking good either. So, you know, perhaps it's even just the bellowing of and control from the sidelines uh, that, that perhaps is wearing on them or it's getting them thinking about too much stuff and not reacting. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying you throw the baby out with the bathwater on the defense. I mean, I think ice coverage still has its place, but I think you just you've got to adjust. And at some point it, it's you know, you got to look at the coaching. I actually feel like. Wiggins' uh, development has stalled out a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so you have to start wondering. All right, is is this a is this a coaching issue or is this a Wiggins issue? And so, I mean, I, we're not going to get the answer to to those questions for a while, um, but it is worth talking about whether you know Timberwolves fans want us to or not. You know, you just mentioned adjustments, and you know what that reminded me of. What's that? Adjusting my underwear. Uh, too often when I'm not wearing the proper underwear. And you know what's funny is that every year millions of people receive the least like gift of all time, underwear, right? That's the thing. You open up that box, you're like, oh, I don't want more underwear. But we still give it to our family and our loved ones and they just don't want it. But maybe, maybe it's because that the underwear is the problem. It's the kind of underwear that's the problem. So Dave, I'm going to talk to you about undies because it's the only underwear that makes for an amazing gift. And uh, have you seen MeUndies in person? I have. I love MeUndies. Me too. 
It really is. I mean, it's the most the, the waistband is so flexible and soft. It doesn't eat into my skin like you know, like uh, my uh, my tiny whiteies would. And uh, it's three times softer than cotton, and it's natural, sustainable source fiber. But I mean, really, it's just like the softest underwear I've ever worn, and it also is supportive. It's crazy. Yeah, and in the the sustainable fabric that they use. Tell me more about that. I mean, I, what I can tell you is that it's natural. And it's sustainably sourced. And it's just, it actually uh, maintains its softness after you wash it a bunch of times, which is really, really cool. Uh, and it has that sort of uh, diamond-shaped pouch for the, your family jewels. And um, that's another really great thing. I mean, it's, it's the, it ends up being the perfect gift that everyone is going to love you for if you get it for them. Uh, you know, it's actually a goddamn holiday miracle. Is what it is. <laughs> you know, here's the other thing, and, and this is something that I, I've realized in my mid 30s. Uh, life is too short to wear terrible underwear. You know, th- that's a good tagline that me undies should actually adopt. And another thing I want to make sure that I uh, explain is that if you uh, you can get your exclusive 20% off the softest underwear and socks you'll ever wear, free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you go to meundies.com/slash coach nick. And uh, you'll get a 20% off. So it's a great thing to do for the holiday season. There is still time. We're not quite there uh, on, to, uh, on Christmas. So you have time to get out there and order it and, and get it over there uh, before you know, it's too late and it'll still make a great gift. So that's MeUndies.com slash Coach Nick. And we're back. <laughs> um, so we're talking about um, the, the Thibodeau era and maybe he has to update his, his defense uh, and that's interesting, too. I, I don't know if he does. I, I just think he needs to uh, maybe figure out a different way of communicating. You know, I mean, that might be what's not quite getting what worked in 2010 and 11 uh, isn't great now. And, you know, we started to see it peter out a little bit the last year in Chicago and then certainly last year in Minnesota. And then this year, he's, the defense has been terrible. So um, something's got to be done if they, if they want to make that next step, and they, as they should, because they do have enough talent. Yeah, and and you know Jimmy Butler is only one guy, he can't do it. Taj Gibson is is pretty good, but you know you can't go out there playing two on five defense. I mean Jeff Jeff Teague is not doing you any favors, dying on every screen, and then Carl Anthony Towns, as we discussed, can't pick up the, you know his slack and protect the rim for you. Um, it, it, they they're gonna, I mean they're winning games right now because they're playing. Jimmy Butler, 40 minutes a night, and Carl Anthony Towns, 43 minutes a night, or whatever it is. Um, they're, they're taking on this amazing load to win these regular season games, but this isn't a team that I expect to do any sort of damage in the playoffs. I mean, I guess just making the playoffs for them, because they've been out for so long, will be uh, a, a boon to the franchise, but I, I just think it's a very short-term view they're taking as far as the, the minutes management, and not solving all these defensive issues and just basically trying to outscore other teams. Yeah. I think recently they've sort of cut back a little bit on the minutes played, but those starters are still playing more a, a higher percentage of overall minutes than anybody else in the league. And I think it's starting to show, like in the fourth quarters when they're wearing down, there is some, there are some tangible numbers that we can see. So that, that is an issue as well. And you know what? Maybe if you feel like you got to play your starters 35, 36 minutes each, um, like maybe you don't deserve to win the games. Like you need to be able to find enough from your bench to, 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 in order to win these games or else you're going to wear them out. So um, we have some questions from, from Twitter. Should we go through some? Yeah, let's do it. 
So Nadze asks us, is Clint Capella the key to the Rockets' shot at beating the Warriors? Really great question. What do you think, Dave? Um, I don't know if it's just Clint Capella. I, I actually talked about this with someone earlier today. I think I think Mbamute, P.J. Tucker, and Clint Capella, that trio I think is important. Um, obviously, I mean, P.J. Tucker and uh, Mbamute just offer the lineup flexibility that they haven't had before in Houston. Uh, allows them to go small with guys that can still shoot threes. And Capella is is a big who's mobile, good on defense, has really improved his offensive game, yeah. sees the floor surprisingly well when he catches the ball as a role man. Like, like He finds shooters in the corner times where I don't even see him. You know, like when you're just watching on TV – you know, I just forget that, oh, uh, hey, <laughs> Eric Gordon ran out to the corner there or Trevor Ariza. Um, so I've been really impressed with his development. And, you know, he he started out really, really hot and he's kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. But the development is still there. And, um, yeah, so I think that the three of them are are the, the keys to that series for Houston. I still think the Warriors probably win in five, but um, it's, it's at least going to feel more competitive than it would. Um, I can see that. I don't think it's five. I think it's. I think Harden is going to go off in, in a way that he'll keep them in games and and probably win. I, I would say it would be six. Um, you know the way they're looking and you know, the Warriors again. You have to remember they're not playing with Steph and they're not playing with Draymond. So right now my, in my mind's eye, I'm thinking they're very vulnerable, and they are. They don't. They, obviously they're not as good when they only have Durant, only Clay, but that they're good enough to win sixty games with that team um, as it is. But. When they're all healthy, yeah. I would still think that the Rockets might offer a little bit more than five. Uh, but I, I can't tell you how impressed I am. In fact, maybe I should just do a video to show uh, it's, it's Capella's ball handling that's really gotten good. He can now dribble handoff a lot better, and he can kind of drive a little bit now. Um, if he ever added a jump shot, then, oh, my God. Like what? Can you imagine that? What if he was able to add even just like a 15-footer? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you've got to put him in that top five maybe top seven conversation as far as centers go. Um, a 15-footer would open up a lot, and he would probably get lots of opportunities because of Houston's offense and the way that they leverage the three-point line. Um, not to mention, that would also cut up, uh, open up uh, the floor a little bit for some cuts out of the corner for those shooters coming out of the corner, which is the next level of this sort of offense. So, um, yeah, it'd be amazing. I, I, I'm a big fan of Capella. I like the way he plays. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have another question from Grant Wargo who asks, is the Celtics offensive problem solely personnel issues? And I kind of jumped in here because I wanted to look at what their, their offensive rating rank was, uh, let's say, over the last 10 games because they've been struggling. They really haven't been as good as they have in, that, in their opening 20-game run. They're actually 21st in offensive rating in the last 10 games and 16th in defense. So what gives? What's going on in Celtic land? Um, this is a little bit of regression to the mean, you know, they started out so well and, and you know, that, that 16 and two start or whatever it was. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. That was a little bit of fool's gold. They weren't quite, you know, they weren't dominant in that win streak. They, they, you know, they won a few games that they probably should have lost, uh, a little bit of luck on their side, which is typical of long win streaks. Um, so I think that, they're also dealing with some injuries, and that's that's not really doing them any favors. And so, you know, you're just kind of running into, you know, tough part of the schedule for them. And, you know, they, they're going to pick it back up. I, I think they'll be fine. But remember, 
none of us expected them to be a 67 or 70 win team. So they're coming back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And by the way, they're also probably hitting that rookie wall um, in a way that guys like Tatum, uh, you know, he looked good toward the end of the game tonight. But um, I think, you know, he's now in that in that area where he played 30 games last year for Duke. And now he's beyond that. And it's a whole new experience for him. And also Jalen Brown, his first year, like really starting and playing major, major minutes. So um, those guys who they rely on greatly are are now going to have to fight through this and figure out how to get to the next level and then, you know, come out the other side, which, you know, I I have no reason to think they won't. And then they're going to get healthy again. Um, But I mean, Kyrie. I uh, just want to sh- just shout him out tonight. I mean, when he gets going, he, he scores three or four hundred times in a row, like from three from everywhere. Uh, I don't know if there's too many guys who score as well as he can do in the half court. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely doing stuff uh, with the basketball in his hands. I still have concerns about the defense. You know, I'm not going to – this is not um, a ringer podcast, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Kyrie is – Turned into some good defender out of nowhere. Um, shots fired. Yeah, he's he's. Well, I'm not firing shots, but we all know how it goes. Uh, <laughs> the the big thing to me on the defensive end with Kyrie is I, I think he just he needs consistent effort. When the effort is there, he's good. You and I have actually talked about this, you know, over a year now. Um, when when he actually is working hard, he's a decent defender. You know, he's got good length. He's a good athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the effort isn't cons- consistent. It is consistent on the offensive end. Uh, like I can't remember Kyrie missing a, a three with under two minutes to go in a basketball game, but I can definitely remember him giving up backdoor cuts and you know getting beat off the dribble and dying on a screen. So that's where I want to see his game go. Um, I'm not ready to put him in any sort of top five point guard conversation yet because the defensive end is important. But oh well, yeah, I okay. mean what he's doing offensively is fun though. I, I, but I'm I'm still seeing a lot better defense anyway this year, and even la- even tonight he had some great deflections, um, he and, and and really giving out. So um, I don't know that might be a meme that we need to dispel uh, a little bit more on that end. We, but. we we should dig into it in a video because I okay. think that what you see is it's the occasional play. Yeah, he's got better defenders around him, and I think that that ha- that's a huge help, right? If you're if you're not giving full effort on defense, and but you've got guys like Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, you know you're going to look like a better defender by proxy. Right. But I still think that there's a lot of things that are effort based with Kyrie that he could that he could improve on. That being said, I've enjoyed watching him this year in a way that I didn't enjoy watching him in Cleveland because it just it doesn't feel like he's marginalized. He gets to. You know, he plays within the flow of the offense, and then he gets to cook a little bit. And I think that that's a good, that's a good mix, sort of like James Harden. Um, I think that that's, for a player with the individual talent like Kyrie has, especially with the ball in his hands, I think it's important to let those guys cook a little bit. But I also like what he's doing, you know, within the flow of the offense. Sure. You know, it's really smooth. It's really yeah. what you're thinking about when you're watching Kyrie play. And exactly. When you, when you mention smooth, there's only one thing I think of when I say that, that word, and that's, that's Harry's. Harry's razors, even, um, and that's my favorite part about shaving with the Harry's razors. Is that I'm telling you, that handle in my hand is so well balanced that it gets close and smooth like no other uh, razor I've ever used. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, who's got a better handle, Kyrie or Harry's? <laughs> oh wow, I don't think I can choose. That's like choosing your favorite kid. Um, and, and I'm telling you right now, it's the holiday season, and it can feel impossible to pick. 
the right gift. But there isn't anything better than a Harry's razors. I got one for my dad, uh, and it was it's a really beautiful case. It comes in this really well boxed thing uh, with uh, shaving gel and uh, and extra razors. It's really a, a terrific thing. Yeah, I mean, I I love Harry's. It's part of my daily routine. It's how I keep this dome nice and shiny. Yeah, it really and you do. It really does. And I've seen it up close and personal. It really is a nice dome. Um, and it's a company <laughs> that guys love because over three million have switched to Harry's. And uh, if you want to get this gift, it's a practical gift that people actually will use and really love. Uh, you can personalize them as well. You can choose a color that's right for whoever you want to give it to. Um, and there are um, a personal engraving option if you want. You can actually have the name in there. It's really, really cool. So this holiday, Harry's is offering custom limited edition shaving sets that make perfect gifts. Uh, they, cu- they come with German-engineered five-blade cartridges that provide a close, comfortable shave. Foaming shave gel, it smells amazing. It really does. Special limited edition winter chrome and emerald green handles. Those are beautiful, by the way, I'm telling you. And um, no matter what you're looking for, Harry's has you covered. So sets come ready to gift in beautiful design gift boxes. They start at just $10. Great stocking stuffers. And even get something for yourself when you're ordering a gift. If you go to harrys.com slash coachnick, we partner with them and you'll get $5 off your order when you go there. This holiday, give Harry's and give handsome. Shipping cutoffs end this week, so act now to get your gifts delivered in time. To get a limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last, go to harrys.com slash coachnick right now. That's harrys.com slash coachnick. By the way, Harry's Harry's really is. It's it's so such a nice product. Like this is the, the ad reads over. This is like a real thing. Like Harry's is a super nice product that I do use every day. The shave cream is awesome. The uh, the aftershave gel is fantastic. Oh, that is the really razors is. themselves are amazing. They stay sharp forever. Um, and I mean the handle's super nice. It, my mine came with the, this nice little aluminum block that holds it. Like it's it's a very very good product. That's got a, it's a great price. So yeah, by all means, everyone should switch to Harry's. I I believe uh, that is absolutely true. I agree. And let's now transition quickly to uh, another question from Hezzy Pullout Prego, uh, which asks, he asks, in Philly, there is a ton of firebred brown momentum brewing, which is a surprise to me. I don't know where he's getting that from, but blame him for a lot. Wait, please weigh in on this. Have you heard anything about Brett Brown? I have, and it's all dumb. Um, people are not happy with his rotations, you know, but he's got a young team. They're, they're, you know, constantly having to shuffle things because of injury and things like that. Not having Markel Fultz, you know, is is, is real. It's, a, it's trouble for them. They really counted on having that guy this season. Um, and I think maybe it was a mistake to, to you know, count your chickens a little bit rookie. Um, the, the Embiid stuff with his back here lately have been bad. A lot of people don't love what they're doing offensively. Uh, especially now that the league is sort of catching up to Ben Simmons and everyone's dropping back, daring him to shoot. The, the one bone that I can pick with Brett Brown and the coaching staff is that they need to express to Ben, to ben Simmons that he has to shoot, even if he's not shooting well. He's got to take those shots just to keep the defense honest. Otherwise, they're going to keep dropping back, they're going to crap paint, and then everybody's job just gets more difficult because of it. And so I think that that's a legit complaint. But at the same time, it's a young team. This is a team that is necessarily supposed to win this year. And I don't mean win like win the 
uh, title. I mean, like, I don't think that they were supposed to make the playoffs this year. This is a development year. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they've been so good, especially with Embiid out there, it, it to me, that's a credit to Brett Brown. I, I like some of the things that he does with his lineups. Um, you know, playing his super big lineup where he's got Ben Simmons at the point guard, he's got Sarich out there, and he's got Robert Covington and Embiid. And, and that's, that's fun. And it's outside of the box. Remember, Coming into the season, everybody was like, well, you can't play Ben Simmons and Dario Sarge together. Yes, you can. And guess what? It's not too bad. So um, I think everyone just needs to pump the brakes a little bit and relax. I, I agree. In fact, uh, this, it was notable the other night when I was watching them play uh, against the Thunder. They had a really great play where, if you can picture this, uh, Embiid in the low block and Covington passes the ball to him down low from the wing cuts to the basket and then breaks back up and then around a screen at the elbow. So he kind of does almost like it does a circle. And that was the play where Russ pushes Steven Adams, who then crashes into uh, whoever was the screener. And then, you know, Covington gets knocked down. They didn't give him free throws. It was crazy, like dominoes. Um, and that was really clever, really great stuff. And they executed well. So, you know, I, I am I, I feel like Brett Brown is doing a nice job and he's got enough of that going on. I, I, I think that the problem I don't think it's a problem that they're sagging off Simmons uh, time and again. We're seeing them sag off and he's just blowing into the lane. And now he's like, you know, 10 feet from the hoop and he's shooting that that hook or he's dropping dimes. So I don't think that sagging off is really the answer anyway for the defense with the way he's been playing. We have a question from Dwayne, and he asks, any players you'd be more surprised if they weren't traded than if they are before the trade deadline? Who do you think might go uh, that should be traded, Dave? Well, I think Julius Randle would be shocked to still be in L.A. after the trade deadline. I think that would be a a shocker to him, me, and probably everyone else uh, involved with the NBA. Uh, Julius Randle almost definitely going to be traded. Um, other guys, you know, I think Nick, uh, Nikola Miritich is, is one who will probably get moved. Um, you know, I, there's probably a bunch of people. Courtney Lee is probably going to, well, at least they're going to try to move him. Um, there's a bunch of guys that teams are going to want to move, but it's, will they move? Yeah. Uh, Melo might be one, you know, but he's still got the no trade clause. Uh, Paul George. A lot of this depends on, you know, how teams perform in the next, you know, two months uh, or not even two months. It's about a month and a half. So, um, yeah, that's a tricky one. I I do think Julius Randle is going to get moved. And if you look at the way that the the coaching staff kind of handles him, you can see that, you know, he's been their best or second best player this season, depending on, you know, how you feel about Kuzma, I guess. And um he's definitely not getting the minutes that you think a guy who's playing at that level should. So, um, yeah, I expect him to be moved for sure. Yeah. I might even jump, drop a little hint here because, uh, I was talking about this earlier today with somebody else. I, I don't think there's been a better front office as far as draft goes than the Lakers the last two or three years. You said better. Yeah. I, I who's drafted better than them the last three years. Nobody. Well, all right. Nobody. See, that's hard to say because because they traded D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Right. So they they obviously weren't happy with that draft pick. Um, okay. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I guess. And also, they've had the number two pick a couple years in a row. To me, it's it's hard to mess that up. Like okay. I, when I think of a team drafting well, like I think the Warriors have done an amazing job in the draft the last couple years. 
They got Pat McCaw, and they got Jordan Bell, and then they signed Chris Boucher, who you know we haven't seen yet. But I, I think that that is pretty impressive to get. I mean, McCaw and Bell look like rotation players, and they got them both, you know, very, very late. So, uh, I mean, uh, okay. for Bell, they got him for $3.5 million. I don't know. But listen, okay, even if we ignore Alonzo Ball, uh, we're talking about Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Larry uh, again, Mance, number two Jordan pick. Clarkson, Julius Randle, Josh Hart, who looks terrific. Uh, you uh, Hart tell and me. Kuzma were good picks. Zubach. Hart and Kuzma are very good picks. Zubach, Zubach I like a lot too. Yeah, he. I mean, he's really, you know, hasn't gotten a chance, but maybe he will now that Lopez is out. Um, that's really good drafting. I don't know what's going on or who it is in there because they have never traditionally been a good drafting team. But um, I don't know. I'm really impressed with the Lakers doing it. almost to the point where they might need to. I might need to do a video about that. It's a little, you know, drop a little. Bit, so we'll <laughs> see. Um, but uh, anyhow, terrific show, Dave, as always. Yeah. That was a good one. Uh, despite all of the uh, battles, we were fighting it. Battles, man. It's yeah. like this is like we were down by twenty at halftime and came out in the third quarter shooting threes. Yeah, it, it's uh, I don't know, man. Skype and everything else has been just yeah, not yeah. good this year. Yeah. Not well, good. I will be uh, next time we speak. I'll be back in home in my studio with my really fast internet and uh, not on my crappy laptop. So we will be able to resume our uh, our real time conversations a lot better. But at any rate, uh, awesome stuff. Don't forget about Harry's. Don't forget about me undies. Get over there. And uh, in fact, you could you probably do a lot of shaving in your me undies. Like you can do kind of both. Interesting. Ooh, good idea. So, all right, I will let you go, but thank you so much, Dave. It's a great show tonight. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am. I am, too.